Hello there and welcome to another interesting edition of Sports Africana where we discuss um, pertinent issues surrounding African sports. My name is Oba Adiola Amukomo. Today it's going to be quite different and uh, we're going to take a trip outside of um, Africa and uh, we're going to be talking about the fallout of the European Soccer League. I caught up with Yemi Adesoya and Tunde Makojola and we looked at uh, the intricacies surrounding um, the European Soccer League itself and the fallout and we of course um, delve into uh, the talk about having a Super League in African um, uh, African um, continent as well too which the FIFA president suggested at some point in time so we joined up with um, Tunde and um, Yemi um, as we discuss the fallout of European Soccer League we'll be right back joining us um today marco jola uh, thanks for joining us on sports africana um it's a pleasure to have you how are you doing um today fine thank you Diola. um thank you for this um uh, opportunity and um hopefully we should have um some nice insightful um time on this it's been it's been a while um it's been quite a while and um, a lot has happened Oh yes, a lot has you know <laughs> stop starts, uh, games without fans, back to back seasons. You know, I still remember when where uh, PSG versus Bayern Munich, and then the league starting again now. And um, the last uh, week, uh, last seven days of yeah, because around this time last week, but the news started to filter out about the. Uh, European Super League. I, would, I don't want to use the word different because I know it's not going away. It's just been put on the back burners. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot has happened, you know, in the in the football realm. And it's also Think. nice to have um, Yemi Adesoya joining us all the way from Lagos, Nigeria. Hello, Yemi. Thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Okay, it's only a pleasure to have you. Um, I trust you're good. How are you, and the family? It's fine. I'm trying to survive the the normal, no life. Good afternoon. Very hot. Good afternoon. Morning. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. So uh, we're there. Yeah. Um, thanks for joining us, gentlemen. Uh, gentlemen. And um, yes, a lot has happened in our football week. Um, it's been a exactly a week today. Um, about this time um, last week, uh, the news filtered through. I think the first person to break that news was um, um, the um, Ziegler from the Times magazine. It was the first person to break the news that a supposed European Super League was to emerge where some elitist football clubs, funny enough, both T-Max club and um, Yemi Adesanya's club were involved. I'm the very, <laughs> I'm, the only clean one. I'm the only clean one. <laughs> uh, 
feeling good man. <laughs> I'm sure you all agree that that's a nice one. I can't, I got you guys there. <laughs> Well, well, don't disagree, just say yes. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, okay, okay, all right. But, um, I mean, joke, jokes aside, um, jokes aside, um, it's something that I think uh turned the football world apart. It was a phenomenon that we it's been on for a long time, um, you know, that it was gonna happen, but. Today, uh, what's your opening, um, op- your opening opinion on the ESL? What, how did you receive it, or what do you think? Okay, well, um, I know that I might be in the minority, but uh, like you said, the European Super League has always been muted in one form or the other, and I was totally for it. I am still for it. Um, I did put out some tweets from the moment it started coming up and everything. And then obviously people started saying, oh no, they're pricing out the fans and all this stuff. And I kept on thinking, it's just a case of who's gonna blink first. And unfortunately they did blink first. Um, I find it very funny, strange and hypocritical when I hear uh, the English Premier League, UEFA, um, ex-pros who work for Sky and BT say, oh, they're doing, you know, they're not thinking of the fans, they're not, you know, it's this greedy, it's all about money, money, money. And I'm thinking, well, I remember when the Champions League used to, used to be just champions of uh, respective leagues. But it got expanded because they were like, oh, we want to give the fans a better experience. So you have teams coming fourth, fifth, going into the Champions League. It was all about money, nothing else. When the English Premier League changed from the from its old form to what it is now in 1992, when Biscay B came in, it was about money. So, um, Diola, you support Tottenham. Um, uh, sorry, I didn't say Tottenham. You support Newcastle, 50, 50, 50, 50 odd thousand going week in, week out. I know the issues they've had with Mike Ashley in the, in the past. I support Arsenal. Um, anybody who says that Arsenal's season tickets are still one of the, the costliest in, in Europe, not just in England, in Europe. So saying that, oh, fans have, have you know, this new move is going to price them out of the, out of following or participating. They've always been priced out. Sky gives a game, they did a scheme where they would say you, you could watch one game for 18 pounds. 18 pounds, yeah. So just so that's my stance. I've always I'm I'm for it, um, but others disagree. Yeah, Yemi. Um, I, what's your opinion? I know we Yemi and we generally. I've listened to him in on different um, sports shows, you know, on Nigeria, in Nigeria, on different radio stations, and he is very very. He looks at things from the financial aspect of things. So I'll be. It will be interesting to know his um, views or his feelings on the European Super League? You know, the irony is I've actually caught someone in the middle. Um, why have I caught someone in the middle? And I can tell you why. On one hand, it's about money. Football is business. You know, the moment you are clear with that, it helps you 
you know, understand the thinking, you know, uh, the direction the clubs are looking at. So yes, football is business. Now on the flip side, this is where I'm against the clubs. You can't be a practitioner and be an administrator at the same time. No, it's not going to work. How do we work out equity, you know, uh, fair play in the game when, if it's your parent, it's president, uh, a football is vice chairman, this one, that one, you know, you can't, you can't do both, both jobs. And that for me is where I have problems, problems with, me, um, with the clubs. Now, the Champions League as it is, is the end product, like he said, money. But at the same time, it's the governing body, you have bending over backwards so many times over the years to accommodate the so-called big clubs. Like you said, Champions League used to be only champion. I was home and away. Yep. Uh, we, we got into the point where we went to group phase, then we went to a second group phase, also accommodate the big clubs. Until then, the big clubs complained that fixture was getting to, in the number of games they played, was getting too much. So in the old days, when you had two group stages, that's 12 matches. Like it or not. Then you get to the quarterfinals. You know, if you go all the way, so that's like 15 matches in total. So that's 21 matches in total. More. So you ask yourself, what are we talking about here? Why are we in this situation? So in bending over backwards, and also why I also don't support the clubs is that you were at the table with these guys as late as Friday to discuss amendments, changes to the Champions League, you know, adoption of new rules, new criteria. And on Sunday, you place smart one and roll out your European Come on, who does that? And uh, whilst UEFA and FIFA are money grabbers, so you have the European Championship, the Euros, you have ahead to create the Euro Nation League. That's money grabbing. FIFA went to Qatar that we would never have thought that the World Cup would go to. That's money grabbing. So it's also a bit hypocritical on their side to say these guys are doing you know this as well. So that's why I say I'm somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle also because yeah, you know, money in the game will potentially change a lot of things. And imagine you earn 150 million euros or thereabouts if you go all the way in the Champions League. But in this case, I say you earn probably twice that amount. Yeah, it's interesting. It's fascinating. Fascinating, but at the same time, I have not seen that those financial rewards have all those money, the money coming in, is built on anything sustainable. For me, I felt it was more like people just plucking figures from the air. Oh, yeah, 10 billion euros here. You know, so, I, so for sustainability purposes, huge worry for me. Now, on the club side again, they look like clubs, the clubs that are pushing this thing, are clubs that are in financial trouble. 
clubs that have been mismanaged poorly. Real Madrid, Barcelona, a million euros in debt, a billion euros in debt. Manchester United consistently in debt. The Glazers are plunged that team into serious debt. And they keep putting out money from this government. So why wouldn't they be pushing for this? Then you want to also, on another side, pity some that not just that they dismantle, but that they actually need the money. And that's the Italian team. Juventus, Inter, Milan, they need the money. Because it's becoming more and more difficult for them to compete with especially the English clubs. So you're looking at the Norwich, who just coming up from the Champions and guaranteed minimum 100 million, 100 million pounds, just for coming up. <laughs> but Inter, that wins here, yeah, I'm probably able to see or smell 100 million euros. So you also so that, that's where you also look at it and have a consideration. Maybe you, this is not a bad idea. But on the final note, for the fans, and this is where I don't agree with people that say uh, the, the fans don't own the game. Uh, football has gone on without the fans. Yes, football has gone on without the fans in the stadium. But the fans' contribution. Their appetite to that team remains the same, whether they're in the stadium or not. Now, he spoke about Arsenal's season ticket prices. If this Super League gets, goes ahead, I assure you, ticket prices will go up. Ticket prices will go up because, hey, these are part of the conversation that they will have. That's why you will see that the guys in Germany are not involved because they are very well regulated. 50 even plus with, one. Even with ticket prices, they are very, very well regulated that you just can't tamper with their prices just like that. So, so yeah, me, you see that perspective, yeah. Yeah, me. So, you, you know, two things that you've mentioned, and I want to pull out two things that you mentioned. Now, you mentioned the Italian teams, for instance, AC Milan, that couldn't compete. I'm sure you and I remember, and Diola will remember, the days that AC Milan had Silvio Berlusconi and they had Marco Bambasten, Reichardt, and Google it. They broke the world transfer record three times. Yes. This is, 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 and I always believe in change. At that time, nobody in European football could compete with that one team. Now, coming back to the example you gave with Norwich. Now, you say any team that gets relegated, they get a parachute payment. Yeah. It's interesting that both Norwich and Watford that were relegated that went have come back. Yeah. Now, the parachute payment, if, this, if people want to talk about fairness and parity, why give, like you said, why give a team that's coming, that's been relegated parachute payment for three years? Why don't you take that money and say, okay, any team that goes down or the money that the team that goes down should get, that money is given to the league and it is given to them, just like what they do in Formula One. For every point you make, for every point you get in the constructors, there's money attached to it. So rather than give that money to the teams that are getting relegated, spread it across the whole league. Give it, make it... I'll tell you why. It. I'll tell you why. Why that parachute payment became a thing. Many clubs ran into financial trouble the moment they get relegated from the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So they looked at it as, okay, let's provide some form of savings. 
that because you're not in the Premier League doesn't mean you're going to financial trouble and then you probably evaporate. And we're talking about, look at Wigan. I think I would, I would agree. Oh. I would agree with you, Amit, there. Um, the, because there's a reason behind the parachute payment to start with. Um, when you get relegated, falling from the English Premier League is like falling from a cliff. Yeah? Because one, um, all of a sudden, you're spending your overhead is about maybe like 100 million pounds, yeah, to 7 million pounds. That's from falling from the Premier League to the championship. To the championship. So the parachute period basically is more like a soft, soft landing so that you don't feel the immediate impact of going to the championship. I totally yeah. get that. And, and it helps you. It helps you to sort of, um, if you have high wage bills, begin to adjust your payments. Now, the smart yes. girls take that advantage to bounce back if they play their cards right. Yes. So, I somewhat see the point of parachute. I, I, totally, I get, I, I get, um, I get I your get point, point that you should share it, right? About but it. Yes. note that when they go down, that money is still spent within the league anyway, because they will make investments in players and what have you to make the adjustments to play in the championship. Now they will also probably sell off their better players. You get see? and you see, it's is... also a bit of protection for the for that Premier League status you have enjoyed. Which has given, which is giving them an unfair advantage over the other teams that are in the championship. So yes, it's never, it's never that, I understand you. I get you. You're making the money for it. But at the same time, we have seen many that are falling off and have not been able to come back immediately. Oh yeah, the Sheffield, oh, Sheffield okay. Wednesday, we Sheffield Wednesday, Blackboard, Nottingham Forest, yeah, Huddersfield. They're there. I, I did, I did some research, and since 1992. Over six, 70 teams have gone into administ either administration or applied for an ECA since 1992. And what is an ECA? It's like um, you've run into trouble, so you you come, you make an arrangement with them um, rather going to um, liquidation. So you go, you come into like a financial agreement with um, your debtors and stuff like that. And when I look at that, and I'm thinking. How can teams, we say this is the richest league in the world. Mm -hmm. Now, at one time, this, the English Premier League were looking to do a 39th game. In America, yes. it was mm -hmm. about money. Yeah. At one time, the same people that are happy for Swansea to play in the EPL were blocking Celtic and Rangers from doing the same thing. Yeah, but you know that's a political issue. Well, you see, this I, it, it is it, as much as it's political, it's also about, you see, if they could get the numbers, if they could get the financial numbers right, they'll make it work. Yes, but you also know that, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not an expert on British politics or the composition of Great Britain and what have you. And I would try as much as well to avoid the controversial, you know, or say something on toward in that regard. But there's a closer relationship between England and Wales, right? So the English are more accommodating, quote unquote. Oh, 
but, to get a Swansea or a Cardiff yeah. to mm-hmm. come up and be yes. part of the English Football League structure. League. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And it, it, it also shows the hypocrisy in them because when they're playing in the Olympics, they all come together to form yes. Team GP. Yes. But you also but, know, but you also know that Celtic and Rangers will not suffer the humiliation or be put to a test of going to start from the back. Oh, no, no, no. Definitely. Oh, but Swansea and Cardiff. Started from the bottom. To come through, through the bottom. Yeah, and these are all the things that exactly. These are some of those things that makes you look at it because all I've heard from when I say the clubs, uh, when I mean the clubs, the clubs outside the twelve, the ex pros, um, or not all the ex pros, but but a few, especially those who are working arbitrary, have have access access. It's like, oh, you know, when you hear Jimmy Carragher and Gary Neville when they were going off about it and everything, and I'm like, you guys, it, it's you don't see the sense of irony here because you guys have lived off the privilege that these teams, other teams, didn't have. So all of a sudden now, your cash cow is being taken away, and you're all up in, all up in, all up in, 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 in arms. And this is why I was saying, because the other thing I was saying, when people were saying, oh, they're taking away, you know, when they're doing the battle for top four and relegation, this is, those things add to the enjoyment of the fans. And I'm thinking... But it does. But it hold does. on. It, it, it might do. Now, I think, I've given this, I think, I've given I think, this example. Sorry, I Jonah. think it will. Arsenal has never been relegated. So Arsenal doesn't know what it feels like to go through that. True. Yeah, but, but at the same time... Arsenal knows what it feels like to be consistently out of the Champions League picture. The mm-hmm. books, the books mm-hmm. can feel it. You see, the American model, you see, we, we, one of the controversies is that you can't bring in an American model to a system that's been built for hundreds of years, years. Yes. on a particular I disagree. structure. I disagree. Structure. I disagree. You can't. Why? I'll tell you why. Because the American model is a franchise model. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These clubs are community-based at, at the instance, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Community-based, mm-hmm. community-owned, but yes, yes, ownership has been diluted, changed over time. You have venture capitalists, billionaires, funds, and what are the only clubs mm-hmm. now. But how do I, 15 of us, would band together and say, no, nothing will happen to us every year. One of which you gave a very fantastic suggestion on our podcast. He said, there's nothing wrong if you want to come together and do this. You can get, you, see, you need to be able to put, bring everybody on board. The football stakeholders, all the clubs, bring them together. What do you do? Hamburg, Porto, Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest. Uh, you that have won this competition before. Things that have come close to win the, bring them together with the so-called Big 15, Big 12, Big 15. Mm-hmm. Bring them together. Those of you that have won it, be in League One. Those of you that are aspiring to win it, be in European Super League Two. Right now, when you those when when you finish the season, if you are not good enough, you drop down to League Two. The ones that are good enough will be first to fourth. 
in the Europa Super League to come up. That way, would have made a lot more sense. So, what you're saying there is that uh, I have a different view. What, what, what you're saying there is that as long as there's a pyramid system, which exactly. we're used to in the football environment, exactly. yeah. which makes it interesting anyway. Now, you know what? Team Mac, you can make it. Sorry, I, I, I have a different, a, a different slant to this. I thought the clubs, the twelve that were doing this, one thing they got wrong was, you know, if they, they said okay, JP Morgan said they were backing this, and it's they say potential up to, um, it was like fifteen point six billion. I can guarantee you, if those twelve has said, okay, the rest, just like what Yemi was saying, the rest of the teams who are outside this, you know what, for this first season, however, we're building like a 10% of the total thing to go to those teams to do something. The uproar would not have been as bad as this. Now, that's the first point. The second point, yes, yes, I totally agree that with the franchise that American clubs are franchised, but to say something wouldn't work. Now, I will go out of football and I'll go into cricket. When the IPL was suggested, everybody said the IPL would not work because the, the years of test cricket has always been, you know, there was so much, um, people didn't want the um, one day cricket, the 50 overs, the, the big bash. 2020. But, the 2020. But look at it now. Well, there was players, that to give the IPL credit. Scheduling was very critical for them, right? Mm -hmm. The scheduling. So the guys they want to attract are not probably busy at the time the IPL was. What I would suggest for the European Super League today is all the 12 to agree on this uh, precision, no more precision, right? Mm -hmm. Let's have a European Super League that time. So you play it within a, a two-month or one-month period where maybe one location or some cities across Europe, they can gather momentum that way. Oh, I, 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 I can see. Yeah, before, before you came on, I told you, like, this is not going away. Those guys are not going it, away. But it hasn't gone away for over 20 years. It's not going to go away. It's, it's, and the more... Give it some time. They'll come back. Because again. the other thing I was telling people that, I know that, yes, it, as you rightly said, Yemi, this is get towards an American market and everything. Yeah. Now, one thing that people always, people should always remember, I, I was telling my wife this when we were having this discussion. The whole of the football league in England is up to the size of California. So there's a huge market across the Atlantic for football. They call it soccer, whatever. But you see, yeah. the, thing, the thing about it is we, and look at, like you said, UEFA came up with their own plan uh, for another expanded, you, you know, UEFA, yeah. European, and even people like Godogan was coming out and saying, see, oh, it's crazy. They, you know, they're not, they're, keeping up, they're not keeping us, they're not keeping us. Exactly, yeah. because, so this is why, because I'm a firm believer, um, I'm, I'm a capitalist in nature. I'm a capitalist in nature. So for me, it's a case of like, yeah, I, I was even having this with somebody yesterday that I know that it sounds, it's, it's not possible, but I said, if those two wanted to really be, if they wanted to really be nasty, what they would do is that, okay, we will pull our clubs or we will stop it. We'll put all the clubs for sale at the same time. 
with all the mouth that people keep on making, especially in England, they can't buy these clubs. They can't afford it. Look at your last club, Newcastle. How long have people been begging uh, Ashley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Newcastle's matter is different. It, but if you put not, those 12 clubs... They're not quite you, an attractive proposition. Let's yes, but apart from Tottenham, because we know that um, um, the owner will not sell. But I'm saying that if the other clubs are saying, okay, okay, we want to sell these clubs, who, who's going to afford it? Who can afford it? And all of them have the same life. Not many would. Not many. Not many. Even the Spotify guy who's an Arsenal fan who was going on that, oh, the Cronkers should give him a call. He's only worth 3.2 billion. So he can't buy it on his own. He can't buy it by himself. And that's the thing that all this noise about, oh, you know, and like you said, yes, these clubs have always been community-based from. Remember, Arsenal was based in Woolwich. They yeah. moved from Woolwich, Woolwich Arsenal. They moved from Woolwich Arsenal to North London. So it, when people say, yes, they're community-based, yes, they've, because it's happened a long time ago and they've, they've, they've evolved in, in where they are now. What, and that's why I'm saying that, you see, everything, everything, nature abhors pausing. You always have to evolve. Yes, the pace that the European Super League wanted to evolve from last week, I think was too fast. Yeah. So what they should have done, what they need to do is go back and find a way of getting more support because um, the current system, I don't, you know, when you have, because look at the look at the English Premier League. As much as they say it's very open, we have a league that since its inception in 1992, mm. apart from uh, Blackburn Rovers and Leicester, and Leicester yeah. it's been a close shot. It has been yeah, a but, close shop. But at least there's some teams, there's some teams that yeah. they can't dream of. They're also run. But, but it's still a good marketing tool for the Premier League. That two teams that ordinarily are not, you know, without a discretion. Mm-hmm. It's like Italy. It is only if a team like Atalanta goes on to win Syria that Italy can still talk like that. Yeah, and even those two, even those two hey, English sides were backed, were backed by Billionaire. Well, Jack Walker, when Jack Walker bought, when he yeah, owned but Blackburn. Still, but still, we need to know. <laughs> you know, I get your Alan's, point. Uh, Shera and Sutton, they, even they Lester, Lester supposedly backed. Yes, but in Leicester's case, Leicester's case is a little bit different. Why well, that is a little bit different. It is spend a humongous sum of money to get to that point. They bought counties on under a, a million pounds, bought a marriage for maybe just a million pounds. Mm-hmm. They, they, they did proper scouting, scouted and got the best players out there for a buck. Mm-hmm. And they created a very good team, team unison. And and, uh, what's that so, uh, for Italy, defender from Chelsea? Italy and Spain. Yeah. Can that happen? Can no. a Chelsea win La Liga? No. Uh-huh. Uh, look at, look at my look, look at my you, my you reject turning turning off at Inter and becoming king of the. Uh-huh. Uh, even oh. even Smalling. Look at Smalling. Smalling has, is now looks like a proper defender. <laughs> right, 
judgment. So it's a, it's a very. Uh, we'll, we'll go on a little break now, and uh, okay, we'll be right back very soon. All right, cool. Welcome back, and of course, we are still um, discussing uh, the issues surrounding the ESL League. Um, another thing that um, was being banded or being talked about is the hypocrisy of FIFA and UEFA. And I think uh, a lot of it have been mentioned by um, by by you you guys. But to hear me particularly, I remember sometime last year. And I'm sure you remember this. I do. Except when in, I say that yeah, I'm in Antino, <laughs> went to Africa, a country in Africa. <laughs> and he suggested the issue of a super league in Africa. But alas, I was quite surprised when this issue of ESL broke out. It was. It came out condemning the ESL. What's your opinion on this? Ah, you know, I'm paid. That is good that he has this question because I, I, I think I've written a few things against the Fantino of late. Um, it's very nature across Africa. We've had two presidential cycles now. And he's been actively involved in both presidential cycles. It is candidates eventually becoming president. Of which so of he's our NFF member, chairman, or president is part of that cartel too. So, please don't let me, let's don't let's go there. Okay, let's just leave that out of this conversation. You know, so it is hypocritical that you can. Okay, maybe hypocritical is not the right word. Maybe it's just common sense. Common sense because Europe is where most of FIFA's money comes from. So it's important for them to protect the monitor. So that's one school of thought. Another school of thought is that, hey, Africa is virgin. There's potential. There's huge opportunity to make money in Africa. So they can't come together and form a super league because 
really is the CAF Champions League or the CAF Confederations Cup set up today and the African Cup of doesn't really make much financial sense. So, because Africa also has somewhat of a colonial, a neo-colonial mentality, they are very open to receiving anything coming from outside of Africa. Instead of, you know, reasoning, sitting down, we have a lot of intelligent people on the continent. And when I mean intelligent people, I'm talking about really intelligent people. I'm not talking about just any role of the new person that has found itself, himself in a position to administer. So it, it was quite hypocritical for FIFA to come out and now defend, you know, UEFA. Uh, but like I said, I understand it because people call FIFA's sponsorship money, uh, attention, like it or not, UEFA is also 50. 50 odd countries as well, just like Africa. Mm -hmm. So, and the World Cup, they have about uh, 13 to 14 or 13 to 15 representatives at the World Cup, the most of all the continents, you know, going to the World Cup. So, it's just logical that they would defend that. But that African Super League, we have to wait and see what happens. Um, the CAF president finally arrived at Egypt last week since he was elected. So maybe he's trying to get it to work. Let's see how that goes. But I'm not surprised if I feel, you know, it's with UEFA. And it's part of what I wrote when I, when I mentioned the CAF elections, that can, would he be going to each country trying to influence voting for one candidate in Europe? What do I know? Football, football, you know, like you said, I'm glad you said that. You ended on that, though, anyway, that the, the politics of football is, especially in FIFA and UEFA level. Now, coming back to CAF, I don't know how much it has changed now, but I've always felt um, that there's always been a sort of unspoken, implicit bias for the North American... I'm sorry, North African, especially Egypt, Algeria, Tunisia teams, when it comes to the football, the what we used to be the, the our own version of the Champions League, the likes of AI National, Zamalek, Esperance. They used to, they, you know, they, they used to get so many favorable official decisions on, you know, and to me, it wasn't a level playing field. I don't know if that has changed now. Now, also, when you look at... Africa is very peculiar. It's the same way... We don't understand something. It's the same way the top five leagues in Europe dictate virtually everything that happens in Europe. That's the same way the North Africans are. They have the best leagues, the best leagues in Africa. They have the best teams in Africa. They spend mm -hmm. the most money in Africa in terms mm -hmm. of transfers, maybe with the exception of South Africa. But they 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 are the preeminent teams. They win the confederation, the continental trophies the most. They won it the most. But I would have thought um, I would have thought that Kayimba um, coming to that mix as well too. Now, uh, what do you think? Papa, you want to, mm -hmm. you want us nah. to talk about Kayimba? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, by living mm -hmm. on past glories. Mm -hmm. 
Don't worry, I'll just look for your I'll just look for your trouble. Like, like, you see, the, you know the <laughs> interesting thing is, you see how I know that I've because I've seen some of your, your tweets and some of your posts and some other of our friends about how the the way our leagues were have been run down to the point where even the call-ups onto the national side are now based on you're playing in Europe, if no matter, you know, and find people that their parents were, their dad played for a team, they, you know, they're, you yeah. know, and it's like, you know, it, it saddens me because I lived in an era, at least the last part before I left Nigeria was the days of the Leventes and Abiola babes. And before that, we had the likes of the BBC of Boko, uh, yeah. ICC, ICC, even going back to the, you know, um, NMB, even before them, um, EYL, Spartans, Sharks, Rangers, you know, we had a buoyant league and a league that was, all it just needed was proper handling and it would have gotten, it, it would have gotten better. But it's been run down to a point where it's like basically non-existent anymore. I, you know, when I mean non-existent, it's like it's just there. It's just there. No, you see, I, I, I can I call myself an advocate for the maybe I'm a critic, a critic of the <laughs> but I, but I believe that the league has a lot of potential and. It's just scratching, it's not even scratching the surface. Now, I think the first problem was the day we decided to quote and unquote go professional. That's the first problem. Because we have zero idea on how to become professional. And the moment we infused that so-called pro into our league, that's where the problem started. You know, for me, that's what I think. Um, the league is there. The major problem the league has is for people to just follow the rules. Follow the rules, then those responsible for administering the rules, administer the rules to the letter of the law. If that is done first, then progress can be made. But we don't do that at all. Unfortunately, Somebody does something here, you do a slap on the wrist. Mm -hmm. uh, do, do we have an owner that attacked a, a match official? And um, nothing happened. Basically. That is now the chairman mm. of, a, of an FA in the state. Too. Exactly. He's also a senator. A senator. senator. <laughs> you saw that? I didn't even mention it. Exactly. So you see, this is that's the thing. And, you know, that's the thing. When they say, when there's, when there's a, when there's a lack of consequence, impunity reigns. Oh, yes. Yes, and so. that's the problem. That's the problem. Like you said, after apart from you know when they went pro without understanding what it meant by going pro, because there's a lack of consequence for people's actions. I was watching a, a there was a clip yeah. uh, in the last few weeks about I think it was in Ghana. I'm not sure if it was in Ghana or Nigeria where a ref was beating and the 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 guy his front in Ghana his front teeth were taken out. Yeah. The match officials were bloody. Now you think. You would have thought, for the mere fact that you've laid hands on your officials, that team would just at least minimum for this this season, ban them. But we will just they will just talk shop. They will just talk shop about it. No, but, 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 
Uh, you know the funny thing? You know, you make you make a very valid point. And it's why I get angry when people from West Africa, when administrators from West Africa make it to camp, make it to FIFA. They are can't you, are, you are you not referring to someone no? I'm not I'm no, not generally, 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 generally that they could, you know, you haven't you you know you haven't sorted out your your own the, the speck in your eye, you, you haven't dealt with FIFA. it. You want to now remove the log in FIFA. You know, come on. You know, you should get your houses in order. And, you know, and that's the just, problem. And, and that's why... That's why I like the North Africa. They are not following you to drag... Go to FIFA Council. They are following you to drag you. They are doing their, building their leads. They are making and they, money. And they know that you can't do anything without coming to... Millions of dollars mm -hmm. to sign players. Yeah, where millions is, where, of like dollars. Said, Those are the, the things you want anybody to compete with. Where, where, where is the Where is the first place that FIFA president now went to? Because he knows he knows that what these people can generate. He knows what they can do. So, and that's what I'm saying. That uh, remember, I don't know, I don't know if it was still happening. Remember, there used to be a time where there was an ECOWAS Cup. It used to be quite competitive. Ah. Where are they now? Now oh, yeah. You know, the likes of... Uh, I remember the days that we had... You know... Sorry, sorry. You know what they've done at Capgev? You know they realize how strong the Western Council of Vision is? They somehow divided the Western Council of Vision. Mm -hmm. So you have Wafu-A, you have Wafu-B, you have wafu yeah. And it's dividing Dilution. those sub-vision. Sub yeah. Mm -hmm. No, divide... For instance, for age group football, you like it or not, West Africa are the dominant force in age yeah. group football. Mm -hmm. Whether way it's because we cheat or not, we are the dominant force in age group football. We have the talent, whether we cheat or not. Let's put that aside. Well, the fact is, what did they do? And that's why I say the, the clowns in West Africa, it's not to administer their side where they are fighting for cap seats, when they got to camp, they didn't find that. Why are you breaking our region into three mm -hmm. offices? Now, when they now put you in Wafu B, they will not put Nigeria, Cote d'Ivoire, uh, Ghana. In Wafu A. Then they'll put us in one. We'll now have to eliminate ourselves. Mm -hmm. You get. Meanwhile, South Africa will probably bamboozle themselves in, in Kosafa mm -hmm. and come through. Right? Yeah. In that one, Nigeria will suffer. Ghana will suffer. Somebody will suffer. Not will suffer. Somebody. Right? So before you now go and play the so-called calf AFCON mm -hmm. for under 20, you ask West Africa would not send... You will not suffer. You will send your best Because, you know, so it's a part of the process. Mm. You know, so... In those days where they used to play that waffle competition, we're supposed to have played that waffle competition. The one that became second in Ghana, we're supposed to have played it in Nigeria. But ah, let's move to something else. Well, <laughs> I want to sound like a broken record every time you give up this week. Uh, well, I know Yemiga works up when, when it comes to this Nigerian or African issue. Well, Majority of Sub-Saharan African issues. Now, let's go back to the ESL. So, like 
you both of you mentioned, it's not dying anytime soon. So moving forward, I, because I think for me, I think my own issue mm -hmm. is the pyramid system. I I I I don't like exclusivity. I don't like I'm, I'm I don't have a problem with the way the NBA is running or the NFL or M major league um, major league MLB. MLB. I don't have a problem with that. That is uh -oh. that's oh, the American people. system. Um, it works for them. And it's not enjoyable to those of us on this side of the world. We appreciate it that way. But yeah. with football, um, of course, we know it's gone a little bit commercial. There's money to be made. But I still believe the aspect of community, the fans, the tradition should be retained somewhat. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there's a way it can be worked around. What do you think is the way forward? for the ESL, if it ever resurfaces again? Or what do you think your effort should be doing so that this mm -hmm. um, this issue will not raise it again? Yemi? Ah, for this not to happen, it should be very hard for this not to happen. Um, but since the question is, how can you find sure that this doesn't happen again? Even though I know that it's probably going to be very difficult, um, there has to be a look how have to be in concessions, you know, for, for the big teams. And, and, and you know, concessions are particularly financial. Why? Because if you have made about, I think we need about $1.9 billion uh, in revenue, and 2.4 billion of that revenue comes from uh, Champions League. Champions League. Now, the, the, the problem is that UEFA is a body for 50 odd countries, not for five or for three countries, or not for three, not for clubs in three countries, or clubs in five countries. So UEFA tries as much as possible to ensure that the money goes round as much as possible, that people, you know, things in Moldova, uh, Malta, the La Rouge, you know, they get something. Uh, and that's what they've been trying to do from Tunisia to now. But they may need to make a few concessions in terms of money, monetary value to these clubs. Um, UFA probably needs to improve its, um, their marketing of their competition, you know, increase the revenue streams available to them. Because like it or not, it is only money that will satisfy the owners of this team. Financial injection is always satisfied them. Like it or not, because the owners are not going to change tomorrow. But if your parents has a Santiago been about to compete, that has a bill of 500 million pounds to, to foot, that's huge. Barcelona mm -hmm. has a bill of 1 billion euros to, <laughs> to sort out. So they need the money, right? Also, UEFA can then, if UEFA is ensuring that a lot more money is available, UEFA can then improve its, off, um, its um, regulatory role, oversight function in financing. So those FFP regulations that you know they've been handling, you know, with kid gloves, they need to be more stringent. Is there because if you are 
if you are, there has to be some level of giving and taking. So if I'm giving you more money and ensure that more money flows to the big clubs, then those are functions to improve, right? Overall, to improve without they spend the money. So if if the super league guys will say, oh, just play in that league, I'm guaranteed 300 million euros or 200 million euros. You still have to spend the 200 million euros. How are you going to apply the use of that 200 million euros? Is it going to plunge you into further debt or is it going to solve your financial problems? So I think there has to be a middle ground for both the big clubs and UEFA. It is only that middle ground if they are clinic that can solve things. But I assure you, like Yoruba is saying, this thing is not going away anytime soon. For the parents, it's on the personal crusade. He doesn't mind to die there on this matter. So, I don't know how far he will go with it, but there needs, there needs to be a middle ground. So for our non-Yoruba um, speakers, what he was trying to say there is, money is never enough for the rich man. They never enough for more. And that's the problem with UEFA. UEFA will not see any, any plans to do some of those things that, some of those suggestions or points that Yemi raised would mean UEFA will have to release more of what was coming into them and to give that out to the other team, the nations, the smaller nations, or spread it wider. Uh, do I see UEFA doing that? I'm not sure. And going back to that, that adage, because rather than they making more money, then they're, they're handing money over to other people. So that's, that's my worry with, all, uh, with them on that. Hmm. Right, and coming to the issue of how the ESL was supposed to be funded, um, a, an American investment bank, Morgan Stanley, if I'm right? No, sorry. JP Morgan. JP Morgan. JP Morgan. You know, I always put those two together, Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan, because that, there's a Morgan in between. JP Morgan. Oh, yeah, I, I, I mix it up, so don't worry. <laughs> so, um, JP Morgan Chase funded or was supposed to fund the ESL league. So, and from the way the Real Madrid president has been sounding, um, all the clubs have they entered into an agreement. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I mean, I, I think I'll get to you, me being the financial minded person. What do you think could be the financial implications or consequences of the fallout of the ESL. Already, Tupac Mugabe has already started feeling impact. Um, I think SRP gave them a lower rate. SRP are the rating agencies for you know finance, financial organizations, countries, showing your level of credit rate, credit rating, and, and all those good stuff. So already, they already started suffering with this. With the lower rating they were given um, after the aftermath of, of the collapse of the ESL. But at the same time, you know, Philip Morgan, like every financial house or every financial institution, saw a potential money bank where they could make, you know, decent money. If I'm making $10 billion available to you guys, I'm sure. Within the whatever the time frame they discuss, 
James Morgan would have given a very good interest, you know, uh, to come back to them. So uh, the, it was a win-win for them. But as a ripple effect, you know, they, they also have to do a lot of image laundry, you know, to repackage themselves. That they, you know, yes, we, we supported this thing because we looked at it from a financial perspective and felt that it ticked all the right boxes for us to invest. Or, or fund, as this may be. So um, they will just have to go back, take a good look at themselves. And like every bank who is involved in a potential failed transaction, they go ahead, look for another big transaction. So maybe um, now is not the time. They will go back and say, okay, let's see where we can plug in that $10 billion because I know that somebody that team now has me thinking of where they can plug in that $10 billion for their income for this year. So that is not a business as usual. They'll take the heat on the rating side, but they will have to look for where to plug that $10 billion. Yeah. And Timak, um, in the light of, or in the wake of the fallout of the ESL, the mm -hmm. serious backlash, backlashes aimed at um, the owners of certain clubs and two clubs are in particular um, I will mention the club you support Arsenal and the mm -hmm. club Yemi supports Manchester United uh, mm -hmm. the Glazers family How ironic. and um, Stan Crokey you know um, Silent Stan and um, Stan I'm sorry um, what's the name um, the Arsenal I'm sorry, not the Arsenal Manchester United um, owner the Glazers family it was said or it was credited that they might be uh, they might be opened to sell the club for two billion pounds if anybody wants to come out. And um, what do you think about this, guys? In my opinion, I think they are a very very higher version or modified version of Mike Ashley, who owns Newcastle, the club I support. What do you think about this owner? It seems that. It is said that under these owners, these clubs have sort of plunged, or they are just seen as a. You see, scout. <clears throat> you see, it, 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 I always I, I use this example when I speak to my fellow gunners. You see, the ideal of what the club is to us fans, and what it is to, especially mm -hmm. the. And I, I, and I don't say this lightly, the foreign owners. Mm -hmm. These foreign owners, all they've seen is, oh, they always see those Deloitte um, annual list, most valuable clubs. Mm -hmm. So they see these clubs as assets. And these assets are things that we can, we attach our name to, move things around, and then we can flip them for a tidy profit. Now, for instance, look at Arsenal. At one time, Usmanov told, um, when he was still the minority shareholder, that he would buy um, Kronke's shares. At that time, he said he would pay 2.1 billion for the shares, cash plus everything. The dude said no. So, and the same thing, all this, and I know that, yeah, one thing I always say, fans are very fickle. All this noise about, yeah, um, because even um, 
there was also noise coming out from the Cronkers that, okay, we'll be open to a sale and everything. They're just using that one to, to buy some goodwill. And like, oh, you know what? Because at the end of the day, the fans will think, okay, yeah, I'd rather have an American owner than being a club that is not in the premiership. This thing will blow away. It will blow over very soon. Let the fans come back into the stadium. Uh, they start seeing a few things. It will blow over. Because I'm not, I'm not in support of the, the way a lot of these owners have run. Even, let's even go to the, the Qataris. I know you was talking about the finances with UEFA. Now, what um, UEFA did or allowed PSG and Barcelona get away, even Man City get away with. It, it, you, you, you could say that it's a case of like he who, who pays the piper dictates the tune. Um, the way Neymar bought himself out of his contract mm. and then landed in PSG. Found it, you know, you guys said you had a financial fair play, but oh, boom, a 220 million euro player just landed just like that. And it's like, oh, business as usual. So to me, the these clubs are saying they're putting up, even the um, FS, FSB, um, the Liverpool owners, John Henry and everything, they will ride out the heat and then they will go back and say, okay, where do we go from here? Because what they want is like, look, UEFA and UEFA and EPL can't, can't get all this money and just give us what they feel they want to give us. We want a bigger share of, of this of this pie, which is what JP Morgan made it attractive to them. Like, you know what? All this money that you guys share with all these other people, instead of sharing this money for thirty-eight teams and all of this, you get it all yourself. Which is why the money they were being promised was between three hundred and one hundred and fifty million euros. So it's, and like I said, can I see UEFA making these concessions? I'm not sure they would. So it's now back to this 12 to go back and say, okay, where, where, how can we make this thing more um, attractive? Or, you know, it's like a case of, you know, you're, you're choosing between the devil and the blue sea. Which one, is make, which one is less painful? Both of them are painful, but one is less painful than the other. And when, the, the, to me, the biggest, um, what made it more uh, easy to knock the ESL was, that, like that word you used, like, it was this sense of exclusivity. There's this 12 that think they're different. I'm sure that if those teams had consulted with the, the rest of the teams in their leagues, I know the German model is different because of that 50 plus one, um, where the fans, or the, you know, the teams are not owned outright and everything. So it's different. But even the German team, I'm sure Bayern Munich will not want to play in a UEFA tournament that doesn't have these 12 or majority of those 12 because they'll feel like, oh, what's the point of us playing Ajax and um, some other, you know, uh, Everton or West Ham. So eventually they two will come around and say, oh, how can we two get, because look at the statement that Arsenal made in the apology. They were like, look, we didn't want to be left behind, which is why we signed up to. And Jamie said earlier on that these same people sat with UEFA and were doing planning for the future, whereas they had their own separate plans. So they were hedging their bets to see, okay, which one will pay us better, mm. and wherever it falls, we go. 
And that's what they did. So this thing is not going to go away. It's how do we make it more equitable for and more equitable and more palatable for everybody else. Once they once they nail those two things, we're back on it again. And that time you'll be here to stay. And Yemi, in your closing remark, as we begin to round up, um, what do you think? Um, what do you think um, will be the way forward in terms of Europe, UEFA, the big clubs, as it goes? And again, talking about Barcelona and Real Madrid entering in, in financial debt. I mean, we should still talk about this issue of um, our club manages their money. So we can please give us this probably in about three minutes. In, in a nutshell, oversight functions have to be a lot better, have to be a lot tighter and stricter. So, you know, this idea that clubs know that well, if you ban us for X period, we can take you to cast and you know, with the best lawyers we can get off that bar, you know, in case a question of Man City, you know. So those of outside functions have to be much more stringent, have to be much more tighter. Like the example given, PSG were able to sign Kevin Neymar for over 200 million euros. And then that same season, they signed Tina Mbappe, quote-unquote, on loan from Monaco, with a view to pay upwards of 200 million euros for him again the following season. So these are some of the things that need to quickly nip in the bud. I said, no, 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 no. This is not going to work. You know, you guys need to do things a little bit more, you know, differently. If we are going to concede, you know, on a lot of fronts for you to get the kind of money that you're looking to get. Because if I'm going to be supplying you the kind of money that you want to get, I should be also be able to tell you that no, you can't be spending that money, you know, in a different way. So I, I think that is what needs to change, you know, stricter regulations and effective those regulations is what I think is going forward. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Um, it's been a wonderful um, time discussing football matters around the world. And um, for those who might want to follow you, Yemi, what's your social media handle? At Yemi, that's Y-E-M-I, T-M-442. T-M-442. Yemi, T-M-442. Right. And is that on Twitter or Instagram? Twitter, I'm not on Instagram. Okay, on Twitter. Yemi442, I'll go and I'll go and look you up and follow Yemi you. Yemi TM442. Yemi TM442. Okay, yeah, cool. And Timak, your your handle? Your, my, whoa, my, my well, my handle is Timak Bond. And that's on yeah. Twitter. Yes. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much, gentlemen. Um for thank you. us on Spot Africana. Thank you for having us. And Thank you for having us on. Have a wonderful day. You too. And nice you talking too. to you, Yemi. Yeah, Sylvia, good, good meeting you. Thank you very much for having us. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, so bye-bye. There you have it. Um, that is um, the ESL being discussed there by with, um, I was with Yemi Adesoya and um, 
Tunde Makonjola. And until we come here again, when we discuss other pertinent football issues that is affecting us, um, keep safe and have a wonderful day. And remember as well to subscribe to our um, our um, podcast channel. We are on Apple, Deezer, Google Podcast, um, Spotify, and many more. And you can visit our social media handle, which is um, Spot Africana on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Until we come here again, so you have a wonderful day and stay safe.